Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again in the pre-season. Uh, this is our third pre-season podcast. It's been a blast so far. We've had Billy on and Wilfred as well. Uh, we're going to get Billy back again for another stint because I think he needs a few reps before we get into the season. So welcome aboard again, Billy. I think the listeners get what they want. They love some Billy a couple of weeks in a row. <laughs> feel like a cereal fest, mate. <laughs> well... Last week's episode went really well, going through a few teams. Um, there's obviously been uh, a heap of player movement and stuff as well in the past uh, two weeks, probably. We've just got word that uh, Dewey is um, going not to the Roosters, which we originally thought, but actually at the 11th hour going to the Tigers, so that's going to be a bit different as far as his availability, but we'll talk about that when we get to it, and a few other movements and stuff as well. So probably just a a good reminder, um, sometimes when we record these podcasts, there's changes and things that we don't know about that happen a day or two after or, or whatever. It's always it's always looking at these podcasts from what we know now. Um, it's certainly a, a TLT thing in first week of the season. A lot of things will change. So there might be some guys that look really good for us. It would be Billy or Wilfred or some of the other guys that we can talk about and that we really like. Um, but then when we get to round one, uh, we may very well leave them out of our side because... Lo and behold, TLT says that we've got, say, four middles on the bench, so all of a sudden that prop that we loved isn't loved as much anymore because he's probably not going to get the minutes. So just a little caveat disclaimer um, that we're talking about now, but things obviously change round one, and they're changing by the day with all this player movement. After that, let's get stuck into it. We've got the Raiders, the Dogs, and the Knights that we're going through today. Three, well, I was going to say three pretty exciting teams. The Dogs aren't really that exciting, but (laughs) the Raiders and the Knights... I've got a fair bit to them, Billy. So let's start off with the Raiders. They made, they made the grand final um, last season. Obviously had a cracker of a year. A lot of super coach options. Do you think they're going to repeat their form? Do you think they're going to be sort of a top two or three side again? Uh, I don't know about top two, but uh, they'll definitely they'll definitely be up there again. Super coach wise, I think unfortunately they kind of spread their uh, points around the whole team rather than have one or two guns, mate, which uh, probably makes them a really interesting dive for us to recruit. Yeah, very true. Um, they had a few good options, but also a lot of just vanilla options as well. Um, and we're going to get to those now. So first things first, the Canberra Raiders um, playing roster, who's in. So with the games, um, they haven't really brought much on board, um, aside from a couple of players, which are a little bit unknown at the moment. So one of those is Curtis Scott. And now obviously there was some news on the weekend. That he got himself into a bit of strife, um, has been charged by police, um, apparently punched and kicked and got tasered. I don't see him um, starting his, Mel- his Canberra career from Melbourne anytime soon. Uh, the other guy is George Williams, who's come over from the Wigan Warriors, um, 25-year-old half, that's likely starting straight away. Their losses, um, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, like Brad Abbey and Hingano were mainly um, for depth, but... Joey Lelou has been there for a number of years. He's been an option before and he's gone to the West Tigers. Jordan Rapana's gone to Rugby Union. Gun of the past. Aiden Caesar's gone to the Huddersfield Giants, which paves the way for Williams to start. So uh, a few changes here and there. Um, but the first guy that we're going to talk about is one of the many Englishmen in the side, and that's the Raiders' gun forward, John Bateman. So Bateman comes in at 
um, 668k, Billy. He had an absolute cracker of a year. One of the great things about him, though, was that he was available in centre wing. He's going to come into the 2020 season only as a second row forward, so that kills some of his value. But he averaged 72 a game, so whether you have him in the centre wing or whether you have him in the second row forward, he's still going to be a gun. A couple of things that I noticed, Billy, I know that you like him probably even more than what I do, so interested to see your take, but his lowest score from his non-injury games was 49 points, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, after that, he's all 50s at least, mostly 60s plus. He got some attack. One of the things that I'll point out is um, a, a lot of people say with Bateman, or, you know, he, he's not, uh, throughout the whole season it was the same thing, oh, he's not going to hit the attack this week, he does jag a bit of attack, you know, blah, blah, blah. He only scored four tries last year. I know there's obviously line breaks and other things or whatever, but it's not like he was a try-scoring machine. He only scored four. So he's either going to do the same or, if anything, improve on his tries that he scored. Very achievable to repeat. Base attack was what was really amazing. His, his standard base was at 50 anyway, um, but his tackle breaks in particular, but also his offloading, was off the charts when you combine the base-base attack stats. So... Fantastic season of 72. Obviously, his debut in the NRL, Billy. Do you see him um, backing up those type of numbers? Do you think that he's worth a buy at that high price of 668k? Two questions there. To answer your first one, yeah, I think you'll repeat it, mate. The guy's just uh, such an attacking weapon, using everything. But is he a buy? Uh, not for me. The guy's... Look, there's no question that the guy's a gun, but he's not a VC or a C option anyway because he's not going to give you any of those massive tons. Um, so, unfortunately, because he's not available at centre three quarters, there's, there's no value for me, so I'm leaving it at that. If he was available at centre, then, yeah, 100%, I'd probably have him in there, probably because of everything you just said around his um, his, his attacking his attacking prowess and the difference between... Uh, his average and a likely uh, volatile, or highly volatile centre three quarter, but he's not playing at centre, mate. I'm not buying him in second row because there's no value there. Yeah, fair enough, Paul. He he's basically priced at ceiling, which is what puts me off. One thing I'll point out, which you know some people might say it's a bit contradictory what we're saying because we have someone like Payne Haas who you know me and Wilfred were all over and like you know buying buying and he's you know 100k almost more than what John Bateman is, um, and me and you were salivating over Cook last week, who, again, is significantly more. But what it comes down to is that those type of guys, um, I spoke today on online about position scarcity a little bit. Um, when you've got a front row forward that that's, that's that far ahead of the rest of the guys or a hooker like Cook that's that far ahead of the other options, it makes more sense than in the second row where there's a heap of guys that are sort of you know, mid-60s average to um, close to what um, Bateman did last year. You know, you can get towards that, and certainly you can get guys that might start off the season as well for 100k less. So I think there's a lot more competition in the second row forward. That's one thing. Um, and the other thing is I think that if everybody rated the players, uh, John Bateman would sort of be behind the top four or five players, and you can't start with the top six players, so he kind of finds his way out of it in that regard. Yeah, 100%. And um, the difference between um, Bateman and Haas is that uh, Haas has a floor of 60. This guy has a floor of 50. So yep. um, Haas absolutely absolutely can be a captain option each week. Knowing, you know, worst case scenario, is you're going to get a 60 because that difference of 10, 10 points is massive. You're not going to captain the same bloke every week. Sorry, it's unlikely that you are. So, yeah, look, there's just more value in the second row. And the difference between Haas and other front rowers is the um, is the reason why everyone's getting him. So both very good players, but everyone's got a salary. You can't have everyone. So 
Um, the only way you win is by we talk about this every year, getting getting more than what you, more points than what you pay for, and you don't get that winner's bloke, so there's no point getting him. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm not going to be getting him. I'm not even considering him. Um, I've seen a few teams that have had him, and my advice has been he's not going to be a bad player to start with. He's going to go well for you. But with some of the teams, they've been so deficient in other areas or they've left out um, you know, a, a cook or a, or a house or something like that, and I've said to them, just just use that money to get that guy in because I think it's much more worthwhile. So um, Bateman will be cheaper, like Billy said. You, you're going to get you're going to get a chance to buy Bateman during the year. I do think that he will still be a keeper. Um, I think that you'll be able to buy him um, a couple of months in. Yeah, let me just add one point quickly. Um, he's not a bad buy. Don't don't take my comments as derogatory in in regards to if you if you buy Bateman, you're a fool. There's the guy, the guy's a great player, and you're probably going to get what you pay for. They've got a great draw, so there there is opportunity and reason why some people are actually buying him. I just look from the the, the dollars per point um, point of view and just playing the numbers and the maths. That's all. So that's the only reason I'm not getting not a bad not a bad boy. I just think there's more value elsewhere. That's all. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. He doesn't play the first buy either. The Raiders have got that one off, so I'm eyeing him off on my super coach planners. Maybe around 13-ish type of buy. Josh Papali's the other gun in the Raiders' side. Now, he averaged 65 points a game in 2019. He's averaged between 63 and 66 points the last four years in a row. Um, so he's a staple gun. He's been a gun for four years straight. Very, very consistent in his average. Having said that, the last two years, he's only actually averaged 58 points across his first 10 games and only 46 points for his first month of football last year. And that was despite having a fantastic draw. You mentioned, Billy, that they've got a great draw. Um, the Raiders probably have one of the best draws out of anyone. We spoke about the Eels draw last week. Glowingly, the Raiders draw is very good as well. The draw didn't really matter to Parley. He, he hits attack, and he's a forward that will get you some tries and line breaks and everything else, but he doesn't seem to do it at the start of a season. Um, he seems to always be in that fat club, that's Ricky Stewart's renowned for, that's always got BJ and it's always got Papali in it, and he seems to always roll into form um, during that mid-year origin time. He comes out of origin absolutely firing. So, you know, last year he ended up finishing the season averaging 80 points between round 19 to 26, but between round 1 to 18 he averaged, you know, 59 points, so well below his best. So I don't see him as a buy at all for round 1. Having said that, in 2017, he came out on fire and averaged 78 points a game. And that was by far his best first 10 rounds of football he's had in the last four years. He could be a pod, Billy. If you did start with him, um, he's got every chance to go like that. I just don't like going for fat front rowers who have let me down for a couple of years in a row. <laughs> but that's what your teammates used to say. Um, <laughs> mate, yeah, mate, I'm with you here. Um, not a bad buy, just there's a bit of risk involved. So the numbers I got are pretty much the same as yours, but there's, there's that uh, 80 average post-origin, and the only thing I'll add is that that was off 52 minutes when he started from around 19 to 25. Um, he did have four tries in there, so that inflated it a little bit. Um, but, you know, um, he's going to score some throughout the year, so don't discount that. Average 59 or 55 minutes prior to origin one with a try. So you're going you're gonna to get sort of 60 points out of him. Um, if you can if you can score some meat early uh, with, with that type of draw, the numbers you talked about uh, going back a couple of years, yeah, he did go hammer and tong out of blocks, but that was the year he kind of played on the edge. He was playing 80 minutes. He's not going to as much as I'd like to sort of get him on my team. Uh, that would only happen if he's playing edge, and I can't see that happening with um, 
um, with, with the acquisition of Bateman and the, the other guys they got on, available on the other side. So he's probably going to sit in that front row, mate. And like you said, uh, a fat bloke coming coming out of the off season and only getting sort of forty five to fifty minutes early. I'd probably great pod, but I think the risk the risk reward is uh, too much for me, even with that draw at home. Yeah, he's too risky for me to start with. I am going to say, though, he's going to be on my watch list because there's not a lot of great front row forwards and he is a guy that's going to be a pod. Um, so I'm going to be watching him. I don't think there's any way that you can buy him. If he was cheaper, I think it would be easier to take the punt. But at over 600 k that's a huge investment in front row forward for a guy the last couple of years that hasn't done well. So um, I'm going to watch him closely, though, because, you know, round one, he's got the Gold Coast Titans um, and then he's got the Warriors... So those first couple of games, if he really fires, he could be one of those ones that you might want to burn a trade in for one of your forwards to get him in after the first two weeks type of thing. And that's sort of how I'm viewing him myself. Whiten is the next guy we're going to talk about. He's in our risk category um, because I, I actually think that he's quite a risk for someone to bring in. But I have seen him being selected in quite a few um, Supercoach sides. One of the things is he, he actually had a career year last year on the field. Um, I'm, I'm not the biggest Whiten fan. I'm still not sure that he's ideally a 5'8", but have to give him credit. Um, he played well in Origin. Um, he can play pretty well everywhere. His game doesn't seem to change much. In the second half of the year, he played really well, and he had a good grand final as well. There's a career year on the field, um, but the disturbing thing about that, and a lot of people will quote Billy, oh, you know, last year was a career year for White, and he really came into his own, blah, blah, blah. He really did in, in reality, but in fantasy... He, he's done exactly what he's done every other year. I'll start from 2015 and go up to 2019. Averages are 51, 54, 53, 56, and 53 in 2019. He actually regressed by three points a game between 18 and 19, um, and he had a lot of stinkers in there. So when I'm getting a half in, whether it's a 5'8 or a half back in my Supercoach team, I want to have high upside. He doesn't offer that. He had zero tons all year. And he had a lot of 30s and 40s. So at uh, 497k, I really don't see any value even with the draw in having him. Um, I would understand getting someone like Papali more as a risk than what I would have whitened because I just don't think he offers the upside. So I've been a little bit surprised, Billy. I think people might be getting a little bit carried away with reality versus fantasy as far as Whiten's value in Supercoach. Yeah, he might be one of those, uh, yeah. Super Cronk's only, only price at 355k maybe worth getting in with a draw type sort of approaches. But um, when, yeah, when you look at his numbers, um, there's absolutely not enough consistency there in the green zone for super coach points. So he's uh, he really is a lay mate. Even even if he um, somehow manages to throw a couple of 80s and 90s together, you're gonna it's gonna be followed up by a 25 and a 35, and all of a sudden you're you're pretty much right back where you started. So. He's, he's not even really a risk reward type bloke. This, this bloke is just all risk. Well, he had 23 games in 2019, and only four of those he went 70 plus. That sort of tells you the tale of it. Yeah, numbers speak volumes. And like you said before, mate, he had a career last year. So if he had a career year last year and those are numbers he's pumping, he ain't getting any better. Um, so let's move on from Whiten. Um, there's a, another guy that's pretty risky uh, in the Raiders pack. I understand why people are talking about him because he's someone who I really liked a year ago as well, uh, and that is Joseph Tappany. Now, Joseph was um, fantastic in 2018. He averaged, you know, um, 63 points a game in 77 minutes. That was on an edge, though. Um, last year, he started on an edge, but he quickly moved to the 13 jersey after being injured twice. And that's one of the things with him, too. The last two years, 
In 2018, he only managed 16 games, and in 2019, he only averaged 14 games. And those 14 games that he managed was two completely separate injuries as well. So it is it is becoming a theme as far as his injuries go. He only ended up playing 44 minutes a game in 2019. The reason why I guess people are looking at him, Billy, and why he's worth mentioning is because he's only 362k. So he is someone who is very cheap um, compared to what they've done the year prior to last, and he did have an injury-affected season last year where he started off the bench for two games um, and he also got injured in two other games as well. So there is some upside there anyway, um, but I think he might play some extra minutes, but I think it won't be enough. He probably needs to be at that sort of 55-minute mark to start to be useful, and that's going to be 10, 11 minutes more than what he was playing in 2019. So he's another one of those guys, Billy, that's that's on my watch list, but there's probably going to be too many middle forwards in the rotation, wouldn't you think, for the Raiders? Yeah, and the Raiders... They're kind of like the Knights. Their their middle forward rotation, the very small minutes, mate. They kind of um, they kind of max out. They seem to max out around sort of forty five to the starter and thirty five, forty feet for the interchange. So they're not going to get any more than that sort of forty ish type minutes, um, unless you're Papali, who might get you know fifty two to fifty five sooner or later. And looking at his numbers, he, he's he's not a massive point per minute guy, so you're not going to get any any big sort of numbers out of him. Even even when he plays eighty minutes on on the edge, like he was, he, he's still not a massive uh, a massive PPM guy. What's he got here? So I just highlighted his games his games on the edge. So full games on the edge towards the end of the year: sixty eight, eighty eight, forty six, fifty seven, forty one. So he's going to give you sort of a, a sixty average off sort of uh, seventy plus minutes on the edge. But is he is he going to play eighty minutes on on that left edge, or is he going to do middle forward rotation? No, no, no. Um, he's going to be the middle forward because they're going to have Whitehead and Bateman on the edges. Yeah, so you pretty much got to discount him straight away, mate. There's look, price to the forty-eight. I can't really see him averaging sixty off sort of forty-five minutes in in that lock roll, mate. So you've got to give this bloke in this. Yeah, I mean, one of the other guys we're going to talk about, and it's probably a good segue while we're talking about Tappany, is um, well, I was going to mention Horsberg because he was a real beast last year. I really like him. There's guys like Corey Hosber who's on the bench who had his rookie season really impressed and earned more minutes. So if anything, there's probably guys on that bench that are going to need more minutes than what they were getting last year. Um, so someone like Hosber was only playing 33 minutes a game. I actually think that he's someone to watch. If he got a starting gig or they had an injury, um, he's someone who was pumping out 40 points in his 33 minutes, pretty much the opposite of what Tappany offers you. He gives you a big PPM and he gets good points in small minutes. So he's probably one of the, he's probably the middle that I would rather look at in that sort of bench to 13 rotation, more so than Tappany. And he's also probably a reason why Tappany won't be able to get enough minutes because those guys on the bench like Corey uh, are going to get extras. Yeah, he, he uh, that Horsberg like reminds me of um, Fotoika, whatever you call it, Fotoika from um, Titans. Titans like- there. Yeah, they're both decent, have massive points per minute, but they don't get sort of many minutes. So those are the sorts of blokes that you look out for for maybe next year or the year after. Hopefully they uh, they go from sort of, you know, 25 to sort of 45 or 50 minutes in a starting rotation and sort of they're the seriously undervalued guys that you want to get or the ones that you get for money ball and hope that they're going to get, you know, an extra 10 minutes off the bench. And Christ, I, I hope I've got at least one of those names right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if they have a middle rotation injury, um, both Tappany and Horsburgh will be real big watches and at their prices that are quite low to mid-range, sort of that 350k mark. They'll both be watches to come into your side once you see how many minutes they're getting, um, but not for round one. Big Balls Pod, 
Um, now, this is a guy that absolutely broke my heart, Billy. There's been a lot of heartbreakers in the Barnstormers, but... <laughs> you don't talk about a centre, are you? No, I could talk about many centres, but no, this guy's a hooker. Josh Hodgson. Now, I started with Hodjo last year on the strength of how good he was in 2018, and obviously he, he started off absolute poo, and then he just kept going until he got injured, and it just broke me. So, he's a big balls pod, but... Let me throw some numbers at you, Billy, because it's not all crazy. Um, Hodgson... Mate, don't. Just, don't just, <laughs> mate, just listen to Uncle Chop Chop. You're not going to do him again this year, are you? I'm not going to do him again this year. No, but that's only because I've already been burnt. If I hadn't been burnt, and if there wasn't a cheap Braley, uh, I think that uh, you know he would be an option enough to look at. I'm going to tell you why, though. 500k, number pattern is outstanding, okay? Every second year... Josh Hodgson averages exactly 54 points. And we're in the off year, okay? So 15, 2015, 54. 2017, 54. 2019, 54. His other years, he averages 60s. This is his 60 year based on a number pattern that has been going for five years now. So, you know, if you believe in number patterns, he he's outstanding. You will not see a better one. Exactly 54 points every second season. And the second season was 2019. So... All the attack runs through him a lot of the time. He did finish off the year pretty strongly. Um, he averaged, um, I think, 67 or something his final two months of the season. Um, so he, he has got a fair bit of upside in him, um, and he has got that good draw as well, Billy. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm all for mathematics and logic and patterns, but that's not a pattern. That's just bullshit luck. Um, he averaged 45 at 80 minutes from round 1 to 10 last year. No thanks. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I'm not buying him for round 1. Um, I wouldn't recommend buying him for round 1. But if Cook got injured, he would be someone that I would maybe look at if I wanted to save some cash because I really don't see a lot of other hooker options there. He, he needs the attack, though. He's, his base is terrible. I'd be going to watch him over mate, in a heartbeat. You want a, you want a bench hooker instead of the starting Josh Hodgson? Oof. I feel like that's going to be a bet coming on. We'll wait for Cook to get injured first, and then we'll then we'll pick a different hooker, and we'll see how we go. Mate, we'll get to Knights in a minute, but Watson Watson averaged sixty six points after round ten last year, coming off the bench as well as starting in sixty odd minutes. Here's a gun. We'll save that for the Knights talk. Big balls pod for a reason, Hodgson. You'd have to have massive balls to go in. Um, if you're going to, make sure you don't go in instead of Cook. Um, but I wouldn't be going him. I just I'm going to be watching him with keen interest as a non-owner, and I'm going to enjoy not having his low scores. But he is a guy that I think deserves some props. So you've got to mention him. He's a hell of a player, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders do fire and go well that he actually um, is the central part of that. But let's go on to the cash cow rookies now. The Raiders do have one rookie to talk about, but he's not rookie priced, and that's George Williams. He's coming in at about 330k. Um, and he's coming over from the Super League, so it's a little bit hard to gauge where he's going to be at. He's at that mid-price, which is a little bit awkward, but I guess, Billy, he's someone who has is probably going to take a lot of the kicking game, I would say, and he's a halfback that can hit some attack with line break assists, force dropouts, and probably a lot of the kicking as well is going to help him out, so... Good draw. Um, a lot of it will come down to whether he can adjust to the NRL quickly. Um, he's not super young. He's in his mid-20s. He's sort of 24 or 25, I think he is. So, I mean, it, it's really a, a bit of a crapshoot. But at 330K, is it just a case of 
he's cheap enough. He's a half, and he's got a guaranteed spot. He's got a good draw, so you know he's a really good start with. Or should you be a little bit more? I guess wary of him. Yeah, I've been asking myself that question for the last four weeks, and I don't know the answer. Um, all I all I know is that you know most poms that come out here are pretty rubbish, and miss their um, their forwards. He's in that real mate. If if any other type of cheapy comes out, or I'm even thinking about doing enough instead of him, just just so I can have have enough somewhere to move around. I think that 330k price tag is going to be painful because I can't see him averaging sort of 60, um, especially you know coming in behind Hastings and the other bloke in in the Man of Steel. I mean, any any man that sort of is behind Hastings in the Man of Steel, how bloody good can he be to start with, especially over there? You, you, you have to admit that, look, a few people were sceptical of um, Bateman last year as well, and, and what happened? Like, he came here and absolutely killed it right from round one. So at that price, you can probably take the risk and just leave him on your bench and try and make a bit of coin if you can spread it around. But if it means the difference between getting Cook, uh, cook or not, like boat, you know, maybe taking a nuffy or someone that's absolute rock bottom as opposed to him to get cooking. I think I know which way I'd be leaning, mate. It's a bit of a tough one because I don't think we're going to get. Um, I don't think we're going to get any rookies at a bottom price or near bottom price to start in either. You know, bench reserve for number seven or number six. So you're going to have to pick a couple of mids, really, unless you go for enough. Has he played with Bate? Has he played with Bateman before? He's played with Bateman before in the national side. So in the English team, he's, he's been in camp and played with Bateman before, although I don't know how many games. I will say to you that he did score 60 tries um, in his Wigan years. So between 2013 and 19, he scored 60 tries in 173 appearances. So that's better than a one-in-three-game strike weight rate as a try scorer for a halfback. It's pretty good. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's going to be a big part of it too, whether he, his game will translate well enough. Um, I think the defence and the amount of tries that halfbacks can score is limited in the NRL compared to the Super League. So that's going to come into it a bit as well. Look, I've got him in my team at the moment. Um, based on the strength of the side that he's in, his job security, and really that there's few other options. So I'm going to end up having to pay yeah. four to 50 to 500 for a backup half and sacrifice elsewhere, or I could pay, you know, 333k for Williams, and that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah, is he um, is he a dual half as well? Cause it, yeah, he is. Cause he's a dual is, half 5'8", yeah. Okay, cool. That makes the logical the logical step means just getting him and Lily and rotating those guys around on your bench as emergency backup or cover for each other or whoever your starters are. If you um opted to go for a one gun half and sort of three sort of cheaper ones, at least at least you get the option of rotating those guys around and maybe sort of playing Louis versus the bottom rank, bottom four ranked teams, and then sort of uh, the pom for the bottom four ranked teams, and just hoping that you know you can rotate them long enough against weaker opposition. They jag something just to keep a fifty fifty five average and keep you in the game. That might be a good strategy. Yeah, I've got Louis and uh, Williams as my backup halves at the moment, so I can't disagree with that. The other guy that's um, uh, under the, the cash heading is another mid ranger, and that's Nick Cotrick. He's only 364k, um, so the cheapest he's been since he was a rookie. I think that people, a little bit like Whiten, saw how good he looked and saw the potential in him and kind of got carried away with how well he might go. He only scored 40 points a game in 2019. 70% of his games were on the wing. Um, the rest of them were in the centres. Um, the years before, in 2018, he scored 48, and in 2017, he scored 50. 
So for a young guy with so much potential that just broke into Origin last year, he's actually going the wrong way for Supercoach. He's going downhill three years in a row. With BJ Lelua going, the thought process is that Kodrick uh, will go to centre potentially. If that happens, Billy, I'm actually very interested because I think priced at 40, um, I can't see him not getting to at least a 50 average as a centre rather than a winger. Um, and that means that he's quite underpriced. Canberra's draw is very appealing to start with. I could see him carving up the Gold Coast right at the start of the year. Um, and being an easy guy that you're starting because at the start of the year you've got to start those mid-rangers and cheapies anyway in your centre wing, so it works out quite well with the matchups that he's got. So I actually quite like Nick Kotrick, and I'm I'm considering having him in my centre wing at the moment. Yeah, he, he does go better at centre, but not much. Um, I just had a quick look at his numbers. He had uh, eight or nine games at centre, and his average there was 44 in four games. It's like 44 off 76 minutes. So 65, 49, 33, 19, 48, 48, 69, 21. So it's still pretty uh, horrific. Not as bad as the uh, 16s, 17s and 27s I see surrounding that score on the wing. But look, if you if you can get him in, in the centre, going to be undervalued a little bit, but he'd want to really, really step up his game if you're going to get anything out of him, mate. Yeah, well, I guess it really, that's when sometimes, you know, the numbers don't tell the full story, um, and you've got to kind of have a bit of a judgment call based on the games that you watch and the footy and stuff. And my judgment call on him is just my gut's telling me that he's a young guy that is going to do better now that he's just played Origin. I think he's only just turned 22 years old. Uh, he's going to get better. I really do like the look of him as a footballer. So I'm believing that he's going to improve. Um, and then the other thing as well is that uh, whilst all those numbers might sound pretty average... Um, I'm going to bank on him playing the Titans first up as being a good matchup, followed by the Warriors, followed by the Dragons. Um, and then they have Manly um, at GIO when Manly's probably got some players out as well. Uh, then he hits up Penrith in round five, and then Newcastle round six. And then it gets a little bit harder. So that first six weeks is a pretty good draw for him. So I'm going to, like, if I'm, if I'm going to start with him, it's going to be because I think that he's going to improve a little bit. And I don't need him to improve heaps. Like, I'm not saying that I need him to be a, a gun 60-plus player. But if he can get to 50-plus points in the centres, then, you know, that's going to make his 100K anyway. And you can kind of sell him around that buy when he's not playing. Yeah. Look, he's, he's one hell of a tackle buster, mate. He, he certainly knows how to break, break through a tackle. Um, his tackle count goes up a little bit in the centres. I'd, I'd like to see him a bit more involved there. The only other thing to add is that in those games in the centre, he had one try assist and two tries, so definitely room for improvement there. If you think he's got some, um, you know, another year under his belt and you, think, and you think he can mature in that centre position, he's, he's not the worst in the world, but... I'm purely just get rattling off the numbers that I saw before. So he's going to really want to use that draw and sort of get, get, add some clutch in there and maybe gel with a new half. Yeah, I'd like to see him get more involved too. His base just hasn't been really good enough. Um, I put some of that down to him being a bit young, um, so maybe that'll improve. Other thing though is that Croker doesn't get involved much. He's not someone who has... Croker's not someone who has high base. So he's not someone who gets in and takes runs either. The guy that did have high base though was the guy that he potentially replaced if he gets that centre gig. And that's BJ Leilua. So Leilua was, out of the two centre spots, the guy that went in and, and took a lot of hit-ups and stuff. And Rapana was the other guy that did that. Both Rapana and BJ are now gone. So that leaves a real hole for workload in um, in that back line for Canberra. I don't think that Jared Croker is going to be that guy because he's never been that guy. He's never gone in and rolled his sleeves up. And he has 
a terrible amount of runs where he just doesn't make any meters. Love Jared Croker. We'll talk about him in a minute, but he just doesn't. He's just not that type of player. So maybe that leaves a bit of room for Kotrick Billy with BJ and Rapana gone. Maybe you know someone has to pick up that work and it's him. Who do you think ends up being on if Nick Kotrick goes to right center? Who do you think ends up being on the wing next to him? Well, I mean, at the moment. But we've also got Bailey Simonson to talk about, and he's going to jag a wing spot. So I'm just trying to see whether Simonson's on that side. What I'm trying to get at is if it's a, a Michael Oldfield-type <laughs> um, winger who's probably not going to do as much work as um, Rapan or BJ did, maybe Kochi uh, uh, picks up the load a little bit and takes the majority of hit-ups from that right side. If you'd, you'd like to think that your winger sort of gets in and rips in and has, has a bit more of a go, but where I'm going here is maybe his, his work rate increase depends on who's, who's sitting next to him in the end. I tend to think that it's going to be um, Bailey Simonson because he's on that... Yeah, it will be Bailey Simonson because he's on that side at the moment. Um, so they'd bring in someone else to partner Jared Croker and they'd be putting um, Kotrick into Scott's role, which had Simonson outside him. So... Simonson's an interesting guy to talk about as well because he's under this same bracket because Bailey Simonson is actually 357k. So he's you know, almost identical price to Kotrick and he's someone that Wilfred actually gave a shout out to um, as someone again instead of Billy Smith potentially, which I disagreed with, but Billy Smith's now done his ACL. So I guess Wilfred might want to take that one by default, but um, I'm not excited by Simonson. He is cheap. But he only managed to do 38 points a game last year. Admittedly, he only averaged 70 minutes because he had uh, three bench games, which were low minutes. But, you know, it still only goes up to roughly sort of 40-odd average, the same as what Kotrick's was. And I sort of see Kotrick as being a centre that's better than a winger and also a guy that's got more upside and he's more talented. So I'm not really interested in Simonson at all when I can just get Kotrick for the same price. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, with you there, but I don't really have anything to add. Um, I looked at all the Canberra wingers, and they all pretty much spoke the, the, the same story. There was nothing sort of screaming, screaming at me. It just depends on whether you think they're going to improve or mature as players. Yeah, and I, I think Kotrick's the guy that's going to improve over you know someone like him and Simonson. The, the one guy that we have left out of the back line is Jared Croker. Um, now, He's not under the gun category because he still hasn't managed to really be a gun. The last three years, 2017 he had 55 points, 2018 he had 54 points, and 2019 he had 53 points. So if we're believing in numbers, we're going to say he's going to average 52 this year because he's going down a point every year. Um, But he was a guy that um, went on runs. I definitely enjoyed some croaker runs last year, mainly because he had his goal kicking. Um, you know, he had a couple of months spurts where he averaged 72 points um, and has those runs every single year. Everyone's searching for a guy who is going to um, make the most out of this Canberra draw in that back line and pick up the attacking stats. This is a goal kicker for Canberra. So do you see um, Jared Croker as an option for round one, a much more expensive option, but maybe he's the guy? That- if you asked me six weeks ago, I would have said, Probably, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think, oh, look, it's a far cry from his, from his 71 average uh, four years ago. And I think we all need to sort of start forgetting that he, that he actually did that four years ago because I can't see him getting there again. He, he is undervalued, but de- depending on how you look at the draw and, wh- and whether you think he's going to bounce back, uh, like the rest of the team, he's got that gun draw with three of his first four games at home. Titans, Warriors, Dragons, Manly. That's, pre- that's a pretty good draw. 
Um, the year's priced at the 53. It, 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 it is his worst average in the years, but it's not really by much, mate. If you go back and have a look, it's just, just a couple of points here and there. Yeah. So all I'm going to say is, look, if you think you can you know, hit a ton early or um, bring some kicking, goal kicking into into the, into the equation and be a quick sort of platform to a gun, then I can definitely see the appeal there. Strangely, I had a look at his matched up matchups and I couldn't really believe that um, he actually scored really poorly last year versus the bottom eight teams. They had a 47 average versus them, so I can't really explain that. But look, he's been his price, been his price for a reason. I kind of rated him probably about a three and a half out of five with upside, but you really do have to kind of be prepared to sell him, you know, worst case scenario, because you're going to get what you pay for. He really is a platform to maybe sort of a trail or something like that when they bottom out, but that's all I can see. Just a platform, mate. Yeah, and his uh, his floor is really bad, and it always has been. He's only got a base of twenty, which is horrible for a centre. Um, he, like I said earlier, he doesn't do the work um, that's needed. He relies on Canberra having big wins where he can kick a lot of goals, and then also getting a try himself, which you know he can get. Um, but I guess if you look at that price range of four hundred to five hundred k, so sort of below the gun range, but also not really the mid, you know, the quality mid range of the three hundreds, he's probably one of the better buys. Um, if you want to spend that, so if you're someone, if you're someone who doesn't want to spend on one of the big guns like a Sevo for 550k or something like that, and you don't want to get a bit of a question mark like a Kotrick at 360k, he's a he's a guy in the 400s, and he's probably one of the better 400s buys that's not going to get you to the half a million price tag. I'm not going to do it though. Um, I think that it's just a, a bit of a shot in the dark. He does get over 60 points 54% of the time last year, and that's what he's done. Three out of the last five seasons, it's been exactly 54% of the time he gets over 60 points. But the problem is that it's always in runs. And like you pointed out, Billy, it's not necessarily the runs that you think he's going to go on. So I think you're just as likely to cop a 50 average or or worse in that first month as what you are to cop an 80 average. And I just don't really want to take that risk for the money myself. So Yeah, I agree, mate. I think the last three minutes alone, have just made my decision for me while you were just talking there. I was looking at a fly on the wall, realizing how monotone I spoke about it for two minutes flat. So <laughs> if, if we're that enthusiastic about talking about it for three minutes, mate, and waiting to move on, I think that kind of gives you, gives you your answer. Not even worth much of a thought. He's so frustrating to own too. I've got to tell you, I've owned him so many times the last few years just for spot runs in buys and whatever. And last year was just a killer, just watching him not take any hit-ups and be on like 8 points 60 minutes in. It was just a killer. And he would like have almost all his points would be from goal kicking and he's done nothing else. Then he'd hit a try or something and, you know, a lot of the time you'd come good and be respectable. But it's not easy viewing if you're a super coach owner watching a Raiders game. So, yeah, don't do it. Let's move on from the Raiders, Billy. Let's talk about the team that maybe doesn't have as many super coach options as others, but there's still a few. And that is the Canterbury Bulldogs. They were the tail of two halves in the last season. They started off and went really poorly for the first half of the year. Um, everyone thought that Dean Pay was going to lose his job. I thought that as well. And then something really peculiar happened from about um, that buy period onwards. They actually played really well um, and had the season sort of only went for half half a season in that back half. They, they would have been in the top eight. They were almost... A chance um, towards the end, they were a mathematical chance, but obviously didn't make the top eight. Do you think that we're going to see the Bulldogs start off like they finished 2019, or do you think that we're going to see them, you know, back down the bottom again in the cellar? 
I really don't know what to expect from the Dons at all, mate. Uh, I, I did sit, I did sit, looked at their stats from every single player for about fifteen minutes and had a blank page at the end of it and thought, I don't know what I'm going to talk about tonight. Maybe Hopper or maybe CHN or maybe Elliot gets a few more minutes. Maybe Tolman just gets you sixty minutes as a plotter. They're the meat and potatoes team. You can probably expect a, uh, a little bit out of them, but not much. Well, their their gains and losses aren't aren't too exciting either. With the gains, they've got Dean Britter's depth from the Rabbitohs. Um, Sione Katoa from the Panthers. Not sure if he's going to make the side. Um, Joe Gibson's probably the biggest gain over from the Storm. Um, he'll be in the running for potentially a starting spot. We'll chat about him. 2020 losses, they haven't really lost anyone either. Uh, Lysha was released. Reese Martin, your love child, went during the season. So, also that was a killer, Billy. You should have gotten over it by now. <laughs> you can't start with Reese Martin this year, mate. I haven't paid my therapist bill yet, but I'll get there. <laughs> so, still not too exciting with the dogs. And, look, I myself, I, I think that they're going to kind of do what they did at the start of the year. I think they're going to try hard, but I really don't like the the lineup that they have too too much at all. Um, when I'm looking at guns, the first guy that we're going to talk about isn't really even a gun, um, and that's Hopper Lardy. Now, Hopper went on a few runs um, last year, and he only he comes in at 532k, so he's probably priced where he's going to perform at. He was always a guy that gave you really good base, his base last year was approaching 40 points a game. Um, his base base attack was really good. It was sort of, um, he could really put out a 50-something score without getting any attacking stats, which happened constantly, um, because he did only score uh, five tries. Averaging 57, he's been incredibly consistent in the last few years. Before his 57 in 2019, he averaged 59 and 59 the two years before. He is priced at 532k. He is playing for the Bulldogs, and... Also, he finished last year on a real high, Billy, with the Dogs winning. He ended up 64-point average, uh, around 19 to 26. Finished off great. You know, the Dogs have to be rolling for him to do well. Really, he's the closest that they've got to a gun, and he's not someone that I'm interested in at all, but I think he earned the right to just mention him based on his performances last year. Yeah, we mentioned next. <laughs> it doesn't no, get, no, no, doesn't no, get no, very no. exciting, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, uh, uh, without waffling on, um, look, uh, you're right. He's probably the best of the lot over there besides Tolman. He's got a high floor with potential upside. I think the caveat with this bloke is that he plays for the dogs and that upside just doesn't seem to come. So he's probably the type of guy that you want to look at sort of around that sort of buy period. That's probably when you get him in. But otherwise, I, yeah, I don't think anyone's even really sort of contemplating him, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a big proclamation right now. I'm gonna own Will Hopalati this year. He's gonna be in my team, but it's not gonna be for round one. I've got him penciled in as a round twelve buy. So the Bulldogs play the first buy, which is important for us to mention, um, and they play that buy against the Gold Coast Titans. So he's actually gonna be a pretty premium centre wing option in round twelve. There you, there you go. That that would hundred percent the kind of buy. Next guy we're going to talk about is in our risk category. Um, and it is someone that, you know, maybe some seasoned super coaches would say, you know, why are you talking about him? But, you know, on this podcast, we like to talk about a lot of guys. We like to go in depth. And we're also talking about um, a lot of people that listen who are maybe um, in their first year or even in their first couple of years or a bit green um, or just big DWZ fans. So it happens where you see a player like Matteni Zelezniak go across and play some really good games in real life. Um, he looked really good in the number one jersey for the Dogs. 
Um, I think that he might be in for an improved year again uh, with a full season under his belt at the Bulldogs. But for Supercoach purposes, he has to be a no-go. Um, I rarely say just don't do it, but uh, I'm going to say with him just don't do it. 332k, he's pretty cheap, but he only managed a 36 average last year. Even if you look at the fact that, you know, he's available in centre wing as a fullback, but even if you look at the fact that he changed positions a lot and whatever, from round 14 for the rest of the year, Billy, he still played in the number one jersey, and he still um, did a crack 60 once in those 10-odd games. Um, he's got, like, three fifties scores, and the rest are below 50s. You just can't do it. He looks good on the field for the Dogs. I think he fits really well and was a good buy, but he's a fullback with a 23 base that's going to struggle to average 50 points. He's actually never averaged 50 points as a player at DWZ. Yeah, mate. I'd, um, I'm going to go with Tigers here and say I dead set prefer Dewey. <laughs> Big Ball's pod play. This was a guy that you were really interested in before, and I was a huge fan. And I think we got some dividends from him. And then Dean Pay absolutely screwed us and uh, put him in reserve grade for a while. Um, and that was Corey Howe and Ira CHN for you, Billy, so you don't have to pronounce him. He um, <laughs> averaged 60 points a game last year, uh, which was a good result for him, puts him technically in gun status. But the reason why he was such a good player for Supercoach was because he was available at centre wing. Um, and at centre wing with his base base attack, he was a great offloader and a, and a fantastic um, tackle buster as well at times. So that worked out really well. He's a second row only now. So 558k, he's probably about 100k more than what I want to pay for him. Um, Billy, I know you're probably not interested at all at second row, but I actually am. If he's a starting second rower, one of the things that happened last year too is that his minutes got thrown all over the place to start the year. He got dropped and then he was playing 49 minutes in an edge roll, 73 minutes in an edge roll, 54 minutes in an edge roll. It just went on and on until about round 17 where he got the last um, nine games of the season uh, playing exclusively 80 minutes on the edge, um, and he actually did really well doing that. Um, he averaged 61 um, across that round 19 and 26 period in particular. Um, I think he can average you know, low 60s for sure, even mid-60s if he has a career year at 80 minutes. I don't trust Dean Pay though, and I'd need to see the value there of him being about 100k less at his prices. Not really any upside, even though I really like his game for Supercoach. Yeah, he's, he's another sort of round 12 purchase, mate, or oh, round 11, whatever, whenever that first buy is. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great last year when he, when he was available at seven three quarter playing 80 minutes on one edge and you had, um, uh, what do you call it, um, Reese Martin playing 80, 80 on the other edge, uh, kicking goals. I really enjoyed that weekend. I think I made about a thousand bucks from that, that week where he scored two tries and Martin had the assist out, out left and started kicking him and then, yeah, then uh, Dean Pay got wind of us and joined us, so he started to go small. <laughs> so he, yeah, Pay fixed us up, um, stitched us up royally, mate. He ended up uh, starting Martin and rotating with CHN on the edge, which just completely fucked everything <laughs> royally. So he'll obviously uh, thrive without uh, Martin being there because he's not going to have anyone stealing his minutes again. But playing 80 minutes, already priced close to that 61. Um, if he was available at service three quarter, mate, same type of deal as the other bloke we were talking about. You'd, you'd probably think about him a bit more, but uh, as of now, now he's he's more of a uh, hopefully sort of shows a bit of promise, and, and he's not too expensive before that round eleven, mate. Yeah, I mean, he deserves a shout out for scoring one hundred and forty-one points last year. He had a game where he scored one hundred and forty-one, and I don't think it's a fluke either. He's a guy that can 
throw seven offloads in a game, have ten tackle breaks and score a couple of tries. That's the type of player he is. So he's very talented for Supercoach in real life, not for round one. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about, though, might actually um, look at pushing one of these guys out of the pack. So Joe Stimson's come over from the Storm. And the Dolphins went pretty hard at him. They really wanted him. Um, I rate Stimson as a footballer. I think he's a pretty solid footballer. He should be in an NRL top 17. He comes in at 343k, so he's in our mid-range cow options for the Bulldogs. At the moment, he's in some of the predicted lineups. You can see him being on the bench. In those ones, the reason that he's on the bench, I think, is because future immortal Adam Elliott can't seem to ever lose his job under any coach for whatever reason. And look, I don't mean to disrespect Adam Elliott. He's an NRL player, so he has immense talent, but he's a bench player in the NRL to me. Um, I do not know how he keeps getting a starting gig but he keeps keeping it, and I don't think that he earns it. Josh Jackson, I think a lot of Bulldogs fans have shouted out, should be you know, in the number 13 jumper at this point. If they do what they should be doing, Josh Jackson would be in the 13 jumper, Corey Harrow and Nira Naira would be on, on one edge, and Joe Stevenson would be on the other. Now, there is a chance of that happening. If it does, um, I'm extremely interested in Joe Stevenson if he's starting at 343k. I think that there's a lot of upside. You think so? I remember looking at Stimson's numbers last year, um, trying to find um, some value in him for the buyers, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't see him punching anything from even for his 40, 50 minutes stints. He'd be on an edge. So if he's on an edge, I'm assuming he's going to get 80 minutes, and that's the only time I'm going to be interested. On his two, he had a 73 minute game on an edge for 84 points, and an 80 minute game for 65 points. So there was only 80 minute games last year on the edge. Yeah, okay. Did he go over the line in either of those? Went over the line in one of them. Yeah, it's probably irrelevant, sort of, but um, it's, it's only a two-game sample. But yeah, yeah. Look, if he gets a start, if he get, look, if he, if he gets a starting edge spot at that price, it's not exactly the worst. Right? You you got to fill your bench with um with four mid prices or one gun and a couple of cheapies there. So you could do worse than getting an eight-minute edge. I think at the moment I've probably got a, a couple of bench forwards playing sort of 35, 40 minutes as my third and fourth. Um, bench guys, so if I can get 80 minutes Stimson, I'd probably 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 be ecstatic at that. Um, Projects to probably have between sort of a 42 and 45 base um, based on his numbers and stuff um, as pure base, so if he gets those minutes in that starting gig, um, it'll help. One of the things that happened today, Billy, is we've um, learnt that Patala Mariner, who was probably a bench guy who would come in on the edge at times, um, potentially play the middle as well, he, um, he's gone in for surgery and he's out for at least the first couple of rounds of the season, if not more. So potentially, um, that's one less edge competition off the bench to come in and steal minutes. So, you know, there's that little caveat there as well that might help things along. But to me, yeah, Stimson, same as you, Billy, he's got to be starting and getting those big minutes. Uh, trials will be really interesting with him. Yeah, well, Elliot's either got photos and pay his family or he's training the house down, mate. He's not losing his uh, starting gig. Yeah, a bit of a segue, but, like, it might be seeing something with Elliot. Like, do you think that he's a starting calibre NRL forward or that he's earned it the last three years on his performances? I honestly don't watch the dogs enough to make that decision, but every time I sit him on the field, I don't see him do enough to sort of warrant, uh, you know, the ears pricking up or... Look, the dogs just have a massive back, mate. It's just the blur of big bodies just going forward, sort of six or seven metres every hit-up. It's really messy, but well, you're not the worst player in the world, but I, I see where you're coming from. He even had the um, the big, you know, and, like, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that, that thinks that he should be sacked because he had a bad Monday spew in the gutter and whatever else, but 
at the end of the day, he got disciplined for that and whatever, and then went and played pretty shit as a starting forward and still didn't lose his job. I mean, like, he could basically do what he wants, it seems, and he's still going to be there. So Joe Simpson will probably be killed by Adam Elliott um, and Josh Jackson remaining in the, the edge role anyway. So yeah. hey, that probably that probably kills us for the dogs as well. Um, I'm sorry to the doggies fans. It's not like we hate the Bulldogs, but there just isn't a lot of options there. There's just a lot of mid-range guys. You guys play very much as a team. A bit of a machine when you're pumping. Um, it's not like 40 points that you're putting on that regularly either. So they just, if a super yeah, coach, just doesn't translate. Yeah, honestly, mate, the only dogs play I would I would really be interested in and I would start with if I absolutely had to, it's probably Tolman, knowing that, you know, um, he, he's gone from being a bench forward for a while to, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, every man his dog, you know, sort of Clemmer leaving and then Woods leaving and then. Um, every other sort of starter in front of him leaving to him, him sort of going back to a 60-minute type forward. And he's only ever been sort of a, you know, a 0.98 or 1 PPM type bloke with no real clutch or no no real sort of, you know, cherry on cherry on top type sort of super coach point. You know, if you're going to get 55, 60 minutes off him, he's going to score 55, 60 points. So. Yeah, like probably the only other guy that we should mention before we segue onto the Knights is Brendan Wakeman's been, uh, Wakeman's been talked about a little bit. He played three games last year. He's a halfback. It's only 277k. Now, a lot of the predicted sides have... Cogger and Lachlan Lewis as the halves. That's most of the predicted sides. So at the moment, it seems he's on the outside looking in. I don't think Cogger should be starting there. I would probably give Wakeham a chance, but at the moment, it doesn't look like he is. If he does get a start there, Billy, 277k as a starting halfback, he's probably a good option for the dogs. Yeah, I, I can't comment, mate. I've I've seen those guys play. I've seen their super coach scores. I'm looking at smaller minutes and bigger minutes, so I just... I'm not, I'm not even sure whether it's going to be good for the dogs or not, for getting super coach altogether. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of having dogs players for round one at all. Um, Wakeham, I mentioned because he's making his way into some sides, so people might want to take notice of Jack Cogger, who's probably got the job ahead of him. But in saying that, yeah. you know, he is going to probably be the second cheapest starting half in the NRL for super coach, um, which makes him relevant. Aside from um, Luai, who's at Penrith. Wakeham at 277k. There's unlikely to be anyone at that price starting as a halfback. Yeah, you'd, ra- you'd rather sort of spend the, the little bit of extra quarter and go for the uh, stronger team. For George Williams, yeah. I- I'd rather go George Williams yeah. or Ash Taylor, who I spoke about last week at 330k as well. But guys are putting him in, so worth a mention. Look, let's change it up from Vanilla Billy. Let's go for chocolate. More exciting. The Knights. Um, I-, I think the Knights are in for a big year this year. I... They obviously fell off halfway through the year. Last year, getting rid of Brown works for them. Um, I think they need to be reinvigorated. Um, obviously, no experiments with Ponga this year, starting at six or anything like that. Um, and I actually really like their predicted side. I reckon from one to 17, they're pretty good. Do you see the Knights as a top eight side? I'm not sure about top eight, but I'll tell you what, you look at their lineup now compared to three years ago, mate, Brown really, be, really did rebuild them. Yeah, Brownie did a good job. And like I say, uh, you know, it's... It's good that they got rid of him. I, I think Brown did a good job too. I don't mean it the wrong way, but I think Brown is the type of coach that was good to sort of rebuild them, help get them where they needed to be, and then sort of move on for, for someone else to come in and sort of steer them into the future type of thing. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I reckon that they'll... Look, they might have got rid of Brown, but he was 100%... Uh, everyone's going to have their own opinion, but in my opinion, you look, you look at the team that he put together versus the one that Ben looked at, put together... Put together 
think I know which one is superior, mate. Yeah, um, I I think he did a fantastic job. Um, I think that they'll keep on growing now as well. So I'm really excited for them this year. I, I think they're going to be fringe top eight. I think that they're going to sneak in potentially. Um, so I'm pretty excited for the Knights. So looking at the Knights' um, new faces and losses, Jane and Braley comes over from the Sharks. And along with that, we've got uh, Tuala from the Cowboys and Shibasaki from the Broncos, two centres who got a bit of game time and NRL experience. No huge ones. Braley's probably the biggest new face that's in. With the guys that they've lost, um, they lost SKD. Um, obviously, he left to go to the UK. Um, guys like uh, Jesse Ramian fell out of favour and he's gone to the Sharks. Um, Denny Levi's just been released to go to the Seagulls. But other than that, they didn't really have any super coach relevant guys that they've really lost. Ramian was arguable, but he played really terrible for them. Uh, so I actually think they're going to be, you know, just as strong as what they started last season, which was pretty good. Let's go on to the gun talk because one of my favourite super coach players has been Kalen Ponga. Um, so I'm starting with Ponga Billy. I'll say it straight away. Ponga all the way at fullback for me. I'm doing it over Teddy because he's, you know, 100k plus less than what Teddy is. 634k for Kalen Ponga. And last year, he lost the goal kicking or decided he didn't want the goal kicking. It looks like there's confirmation he should be kicking this year, which means that he should be 70 plus at least very comfortably after averaging 68 last year with only partial goal kicking. No kicking last year along with three games at six to me means He's underpriced, um, priced at what he is. He probably should be closer to 700k. So I feel like I'm getting about a 70k discount on Kalen Ponga, and I feel like I'm pretty comfortable that he's going to average 70s, and he might even be a cheeky captaincy option straight up because the Knights have got a pretty good draw playing the Tigers and the Titans the first two rounds. Yeah, mate, I agree with every single thing you've said. Um, sorry, I, I made a mistake. Gonna... It's uh, Sorry, the Warriors... The Warriors and the Tigers, they play the first two rounds. Uh, I think the full draw is Warriors, Tigers, Sharks, Cows, Manly. Um, so it's not, not the worst draw. It's not, it's not the best with three of, three of those five being away. But it's, like, it is home versus the Warriors. That's probably a really good one to start with. The Tigers one is at Leichhardt. And we all know how the Tigers sort of start the year, especially at Leichhardt. They, they could, they could um, come, out, come out with a bang and then they're away to the Sharks. So... It looks like a good draw on paper, but it might it might be a little bit tougher than what you think. The thing with Ponga is, yeah, he's averaged 68. Um, if you take the three games out at six, he climbs to a 73. And like you said, he um, he, he lost a goal kicking uh, around 20, I think it was, but calf injury or something like that. I can't remember what the hell it was, whether it was heavy strain or whatever. But uh, if you, if you take um, all that into the equa- into the equation. Mate, he was averaging um, 86 for those games where, 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 um, prior to losing the goalkeeper without the 5 8 game. So price to the 68, he's, he's probably more like sort of 15, 20 points undervalued, which is kind of scary. But the only thing for me is with the price of Pappenhuis and, and the fact that, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Turbo can go 150, four, five, six times in the season, I just can't put him in there, mate. I just... There's no way how I'm not getting Papua New Year's. And, and I think the uh, the Tommy Turbo VC option is just good, too good for me. But if we're going to talk about Ponga alone, I think his verdict would be if he's healthy and if he's kicking, then 100%, like there's a serious value there. He might even be a stepping stone to Turbo or Teddy or whoever you want. But if he just keeps doing what he's doing and chucks that uh, 86 average out there, mate, you, you probably won't be trading into anyone. So... 
I think there's some enormous upside there, but it's just going to come down to which two of those top four um, fullbacks are people going to run with. It's Pong-Pap all the way, mate. Pong-Pap is the fullback combo, and I reckon that that's going to be a, a killer combination because uh, Pong is less than uh, the more, I guess, the top two options in Teddy and Turbo. Um, you actually think you think Turbo is definitely going to outperform Pong to start the year or even overall for the season? I had a look the other day. If you take all the injury games out for for those four players, the order of play, the order of players, super coach wise and ability wise is, Happen Fusion is the highest score in the game, followed by Turbo, then Teddy, then Ponga. Yeah, I, I actually think the Ponga is going to be in the running to be at the top of the top of the list this year um, overall for all players. Um, I just the reason I'm I'm starting with him and not Teddy or Turbo is because I'm much more confident in um, in Ponga's floor. Like when I said 70-plus, that's like the worst-case scenario. Um, like you said, he's, he's possibly an 80-plus. And an 80-plus average. I mean, I know yeah. Turbo averaged 77 last year, but he only played, you know, half a season. When he's played his full season the year before, he was more of a 74, 76, 65, the three years before. I sort of see yeah. Ponga as the better player out of the two myself. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just going to roll with um, Papa Hughes or Turbo VC every week and then Haas to see, mate. That's my, that's my strategy. <laughs> well, you can't go wrong. And I guess, um, you know, this is one of the things that is going to be really interesting for the Supercoach season this year. There's so many genuine um, great options at fullback. Um, I think Papa Hughes everybody has to have. Um, but then for one spot, you've got Teddy, Turbo, Ponga, and arguably some people might say RTS as well. So, it's really good because it means we're going to get a lot of different teams. Despite them all being so good, though, I'm really comfortable having Ponga to start with. I think those first two rounds um, against the Tigers and the Warriors, he's going to get me off to a good start. So I'm really happy with Ponga. Um, I, I think that he's going to be in the top few players very comfortably, and I think he's underpriced at 630k. Mate, can you name any other year where you can start with someone like uh, Papenhuizen or Ponga or, or Turbo and go, you know what, if they break, I'll just downgrade the team? <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. I hope nobody gets. I, I really hope none of those fullbacks get injured because I want guys to have to stick with their decision. Um, you know, it really sucks if two of those guys are injured because then everybody's going to be on the other two anyway. So hopefully we get through the first month of football with all four of those guys intact, or five if you count RTS as well. Clemmer is the other gun in this Newcastle side, and I feel like that I'm not giving him as much props as what I should. You know, I've seen some sides where. People have had him, and I've sort of said, oh, I don't know if I'd go with Clemmer. I think I'd rather downgrade him to someone else and spend that money over here or here. He averaged 66 points a game in 2019, which was a career high. He, he was fantastic. He deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, he did it with a 59 base and actually had a couple of sneaky offloads that he hasn't really seen before. 66 points in 19, but the years before he was 58, 57, 57, and 48. Um, now, his minutes did go up to 61 in 2019, but in 2017, he played 62 minutes, a minute more, and still only averaged 57. So it's not like it was just a matter of him doing the same thing but getting more opportunity, which is what I'm a little bit worried about. Um, he comes in, Billy, priced at 617k. So for front row forward standards for non-Huss, it's it's a pretty uh, big investment. Um, where do you stand on Clemmer? Because I'm not really sure, to be honest. I'm in, in a bit too, too minds on him because of his... Peak career form, the fact that he's gotten those minutes before and hasn't done as much with them, 10 points less, and whether he can just back it up and do it all over again, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, got no love at all for him. Um, the same reason we talk about always got to get more than what you pay for. Um, if you buy him at, at, a, at a 66 average and he gives you 66 every week, that's great. But you're just rolling with the you know 130,000 other people, so you're not really sort of gaining any real advantage there. So apart apart from maybe sort of tra- saving a trade down the track. So, yeah, absolute no for me. I think there's plenty of other options around. I would much prefer to sort of um, go a lot cheaper and just get a guy that only sort of averages 45 because uh, the money I save, I can easily make up Clemens points, points elsewhere with a guy that's more, more, uh, more likely to get a bit more clutch and give me that extra sort of 10 points a week. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I'm not starting with him myself. Um, the more I look at him, though, the more I think that um, we should probably be respecting him a bit more and probably respecting people's purchases of him. Um, he has been incredibly inconsistent. Uh, sorry, he's been incredibly consistent. Um, the first third of the season, he averaged 66 points. The middle of the season, he averaged 64. And the final third of the season, he averaged 68 last year. So he's incredibly rock steady. You know what you're going to get. Um, the last two months of the season, he didn't do anything below a 61. He was between 61 and 77 points for eight games straight. But he didn't have one game that he turned up. And he only had one game where he went 80-plus. And that's probably the biggest thing with him. He's not like Haas who can score, you know, 100 points. Um, he doesn't have that upside. Even if a feeder, um, he's only going to score, you know, six points less than him on average, maybe he's still going to have that upside to give you that 100-point game. So I do like the ceiling, but his consistency is probably unparalleled aside from Haas in the front row forward. Oh, yeah, 100%. If, if you give me $600,000 and say, hey, um, you've got to pick one bloke that's going to win your super coach, are you going to pick uh, Clamour or are you going to pick someone else priced that's at 600 k the, f- the first thing I'm going to tell you is, yeah, I'll take my I'll take my risk with Fafita, mate. Yeah, look, I've got Fafita at the moment for the upside on the price, but I tell you what, if you do want to go for him, go with your gut. He's he's a fine purchase. Um, I just I, I'd rather take a risk on a lower price guy. Billy would rather spend the money elsewhere. That's all. Uh, I think he's fine if you want to buy him. He definitely deserved his done status last year. Barnett is under a risk category with his other secondary partner in Fitzgibbon. And boy, are these two risky propositions. Barnett, first of all, Billy, he's, he's the expensive one. He's 578k, so talking about investing some coin, he's very expensive. But I tell you what, there's times when I saw him last year and the year before where I'm just like, geez, you could be a really good super coach player. Um, he averaged 62 points a game in 2019. Um, across 70 minutes, which was the highest minutes he's had for four years. And he's shown that when he gets the minutes, he's going to go well. He had a 64-plus point average when he played at least 70 minutes a game. Um, he's probably a couple of points underpriced. Um, and the last eight weeks when he sort of didn't chop and change out of the lineup or his minutes rotation, he just got to play 80 minutes on his edge the last eight weeks of last season and he managed to average 71. So he definitely has the upside. He's got an offload. He's got some attacking ability and some tackle break ability. Um, he's got some decent work rate with a 45-plus base, pure base in him. Um, I, I quite like him. I, I wish he was a bit cheaper. I think I might actually consider taking the punt. Yeah, same, mate. Um, like you said, it's a, little temp- it's a little tempting when he's sort of playing 80 minutes on the edge. Um, my numbers are he's got a 65.6 average there since round five. Um, he's got a softest draw coming up. So priced at 62, there's a little bit of upside, like you said, but it's not amazing, which probably 
makes him a pass. He's a good pod to add, so that, that's one point. But I think you've got to take guys like... Um, I'd, I'd much rather take you know, Williams or Garner or Martin or Fafia um, uh, over a bloke like this because... Those are guys that are, that are plenty, uh, a lot cheaper options, but with a similar or a greater output. So, on the edge, 80 minutes, yeah, um, you can think about him as a pod and a pod only. Um, but if he somehow, for some reason, goes to lock, he, he's a dead set no go. His minutes are like almost half there, and he, he needs that clutch attack. There's no way in hell he's going to get that there. So, 80 minutes on the edge, maybe in the middle, forget it. Um, he is playing pieces right side. I know you've got a real soft spot for him, mate. It's more of a soft spot just because uh, he's shown such good upside and such a good super coach game, but he's too expensive. I was really hoping that he got more bench games last year so he could come into this year, you know, sort of 430, 450k. Um, there'd be so much upside then and it'd be a great buy, but it's just not the case. Fitzgibbon's come in at 443k though, so he's super cheap. And I tell you what, if you look at the things that you got wrong in the past, one of the ones that I just shake my head at is Lachlan Fitzgibbon. I picked him as, you know, I've said before, you only go for a couple of pods, and he was one of my couple of pods that I started with last season, based on draw and the fact that he played really well the year before. In 2018, he averaged 62 points a game, and he looked like he was going to get even better than that. His sample size said that he, you know, for a couple of months, he averaged like 75 points. He was scoring a lot of tries and line breaks. Combos were working great. Came into 2019 and averaged 48 points a game, and it was absolute garbage. He didn't even... He had one 60-point game before round 15, where he actually started to pick things up. Um, he only scored five tries last year, um, whereas he scored nine tries in 2018. So, big difference there with the try scoring. He's got terrible base, so when he's not getting his attack, he's absolutely awful to own. He's a big risk. He's only 443k, but, you know, I did find myself asking the question. I'm not going to start with him round one, but looking at the numbers and stuff, I just don't know how he went from a 58, 62 to then a 48 point scorer. And he just, he looked like he completely lost interest last year. Um, and to me, he looked like a really good player before that, really. Yeah, but he, was, he, he had that super consistency, mate. You've got to remember, when you were looking at those numbers uh, last year, whatever it was in the preseason, um, we were looking at his tries, and he was pretty. He was like he was like um, you go and look at Garner this year. So we did an awesome profile on Garner this year, where but he, he scored try every single game, which lifted him in the sixties. This bloke did exactly the same thing. Like he was scoring thirty five, forty, but then every single game he'd get that short ball and score a try. So that's what jacked him to the sixties. So last year he just came back to earth with uh, an absolute stud, mate. He just got knocked off his perch and. Um, came back to, came back to reality. So you need to ask yourself if you're going to pick him up at that price, are you banking on him going back to scoring a try a week? I sure as I wouldn't want to be banking on that. Nah, there's more a try every second week type of thing, but he's, he's not a deal either. Look, he's not even, he wasn't even getting the good combinations going, um, running on that edge. Even the tries that he got, like I said that he scored five tries last year, but. I think most of them were off kicks. Like, he wasn't even getting the line break try. I think he only had two of those out of the five. So, I mean, it just, it was just amazing, the drop-off. Um, wouldn't surprise me if that was a down season and he actually gets kicked up the arse and plays well this year. It's not going to be for round one. I tell you what, with all these Knights guys, though, that are iffy, like guys like Barnett that might be overpriced and stuff, the Knights play round 12 in the bye. Um, so I've got all these guys penciled in to, to have a look at for round 12 as we get closer to that when they sort of bottom out in price. And Fitzgibbon's on that list as well for just a buy guy. 
Yeah, I'd probably rather the right side guy. Vicky's um, going to play left side again, no, no doubt about that. Not guaranteed, but I don't think there's much doubt about it. Uh, Ask my supporters, but he's going to likely have what Kurt Mann on that left side feeding him, isn't he? So that doesn't really instill a lot of confidence in him. Yeah, no, not really. So let's move on. He's going to maybe become relevant around the buy time, but that's going to be about it potentially. Yeah, when it comes to buyers, I'd probably just take one of them and I'd go right side, but you'd probably flip, flip a coin, wouldn't you? Yeah, both of them have shown potential in the past. Big balls pod. So people are going to laugh about this one, but it's a big balls pod for a reason. Uh, Mitchell Pierce. He's coming in very cheaply. He's only 459k. So to put that in perspective, guys, as far as the, um, the I guess the big name halves that you can get, um, he's down the bottom as far as the cost goes. Um, he's down the bottom because he had a career worst season for Supercoach purposes. He only managed 49 points a game. In 2018, he was 50, and the years before that, though, he was 62 and 66. So he's dropped off these last two years from a perennial gun. Um, now, a couple of interesting numbers that I noticed with Pearcey, and I am actually interested in Pierce. He's seemed to go along with um, Newcastle as far as their form. So if Newcastle were going well, Pierce was going well. And pretty much halfway through the season, um, around that um, origin time, he just fell off a cliff in his form. Before that, though, when you look at when they were winning games and actually doing pretty well in the first half of the season, from round 6 to round, the round 12 bye, he averaged 86 points. And he, he just went on an, an incredible run, but one where you're watching and going, you know, he's in the running for Dallium. And he actually was right at the top of the Dallium points at that point. Um, and then, obviously, halfway through the season, the Knights started playing terrible. Um, Pierce went downhill with them, and he was awful for the second half. I like their draw. Um, I do like them to, um, I guess, improve, like I said, Billy, and I think they're going to hit the ground running. So I'm not going to lie, I haven't looked at Pierce purely because at his price, and someone who can go sort of six, seven, eight games averaging 80s, uh, I think that there can be value there if you get him at the right time. Yeah, but do you really think he can do that from round one to 11 without trading him? I may very well trade him before that. For me, it's really, and I spoke about this with Wilfred, I think, on the podcast. When I'm looking at round one, for guys that I'm not looking at just keeping all year, like Ponga, I'd probably just keep all year. Um, whereas someone like Pierce, I'm really looking at what's his first, you know, six to eight weeks going to be like. And that's what I'm interested in. If he gives me a good six weeks, I'm happy just to punt him after that. Yeah, Wilfred changed my mind on, um, on Moses to, to uh, Cleary as well, just by having these t- sort of types of discussions. Um, He's not. He's not like Moses, and he doesn't have seem to have like a massive floor and a massive ceiling. Um, but I tell you what, he's he's a type of guy who can go on a sort of four or five game run, averaging eighty or ninety before he sort of comes comes back to earth. So I think with that sort of draw, um, you, if you're going to pick him, maybe maybe you capitalise on, on on him early, see, see what you can get out of him, then, then sort of uplift him to sort of clear him really really quickly. I don't really recall what the stats are with his floor. Yeah, look, it's not very good. He actually, I mean, there was one game that was just a throwaway where they got smacked and um, he scored five points, which was awful. Um, other than that, um, you know, a lot of his, most of the time he's going to hit 30s in his floor. He's got quite a few 30s and 40s um, and then he's got his five-point game and his 19-point game, which stick out, obviously. A bit too harsh for me. Um, Will talk me out of sort of 
similar similar type players purely because of that flaw. So even if they do go well within sort of a week or two, if they score one of those sort of 30s or 35s, they're, they're straight back to earth again. And you, you pretty much ruin all the value that you, that you sort of um, gained from the previous week or two when they did score that 80 or 90. Um, a bloke like Cleary has a much higher floor for goal kicking and 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 no, and no Maloney in in there as well. So if you take all the clutch attack out of the equation, I would much rather pay a premium for for a, a bloke like Cleary who I know I can sort of get sort of forty five fifty points out of versus sort of twenty five thirty five on a bad day. For that reason, I'm sort of leaning towards a sit and sit and forget type bloke than take them taking a, a risk on Pierce or Moses, Moses type bloke this early, but. You don't win this fight on the sheet, mate. So if you're going to grab him, he's, I would like to think he's probably one of those guys that you sort of hope it's going to produce early and sort of get rid of him after six or seven rounds. Yeah, that's kind of my plan if I do start with him. I'm, I'm not definitely decided on it. He's a consideration for me. It's very much just trying to capitalise. One thing for his draw is that um, when he did go on that run, it was against sides that weren't doing that well at the time, or at least partially. So round six, Gold Coast Titans, 61. Then he went on to the Eels for 75, the Warriors for 103, the Dogs he put on 76, the Dragons he put on 111. Then he had his revenge game against a good Roosters side with 89 points. So he did seem to capitalise against the, the bad teams when he was on a run. Um, that's what sort of makes the first couple of weeks of the season at least fairly enticing. If he can put a ton on the Warriors again, um, like he did, and also he's got the Tigers and some of those other matchups in the first sort of couple of months. That's what I'm really looking at. I'll do what you suggested, Billy. I'd be sending him over for a Nathan Cleary or something like that um, and looking at him as a stepping stone. Yeah, so Pierce, I think I think we both agree. Um, he's someone to think about because he's at a reasonable price. If you think he's going to go on the run to start with, obviously there's a lot of other options, but he's probably one of the cheaper ones. Um, look at sort of trying to capitalise on that run and then sort of move him on. Yeah, mate, agree with that one. All right, so let's have a quick talk about the cheapies for Newcastle that are on offer. Now, you mentioned Kurt Mann before. Um, it looks like that he's probably going to get that 5-8 role, which is interesting because obviously they got Connor Watson um, and he seems to have fallen out of favour to go in the halves. And then they've also got young Crossland who apparently is injured and hasn't been training, so he's out of the running as well. Kurt Mann's a guy that's available at centre wing fullback, but he's going to be playing six. Um, I'm not sure whether Supercoach is going to update that or not. In the past pre-seasons they have at times. He's obviously pretty cheap, 257k. As a centre wing, if he's a starting six, I'm pretty interested in him, but he hasn't shown much of a um, super coach game before. And sorry, he's 287 Billy. So I'm not really too sure. His numbers are all over the place because he's played sort of three or four positions oh, in his career. So, I mean, I, I can't even tell, mate, where, what to do with him. <laughs> Most of them are pretty horrendous, especially if a filter by number six. Just, oh, it's, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing even remotely orange or amber next to it, let alone a tinge of green or dark green, mate. There's just nothing that warrants uh, inclusion or nothing that screams, hey, I might even go near someone who's going to do something. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the other the other problem with him at six is it's going to be really hard because Ponga and Pierce have really high usage. So he's not really going to get a lot of chances to kind of ball play, put in kicks or put away guys for line break or tries. It's, it's really going to be stuff that he you know, makes off his own back, which is going to be line breaks and tries himself or support play. So it's centre wing's a spot where you're going to get a lot of bottom price cheapies. I think that I'd rather just sort of go for those 170 to 200k rookies than even, than even bother to spend that sort of 280k on Kurt, man. Yeah, exactly, mate. 
prime example. So aside from Kurt Mann, obviously people have Cross on in their side, but you can cross him out. Pun not really intended. Um, he's probably not going to be in the side. He might be someone that figures a little bit later on. So having a look at other players in this night side that we should have a look at, um, is there any other ones that you're particularly excited about, Billy? They do play the first buy. They do have a reasonable draw. I think that you're probably going to want to take this opportunity just to talk about your man, Connor Watson. Um, you thought he'd average 75 last year. Surely he's going to average 95 this year from round one. Didn't I say 70? Oh, I think we made a bet at 70 because I didn't want to take your money at 75. You said he would average 75, but our bet was at 70. All I'm going to say is you got really lucky with that bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Connor Watson ended up averaging 55 points a game, and he did that playing in Jersey 1, 17, 6, 14, 9. <laughs> He's, he was all over the shop. You know, from... Um, all right, so for the people that don't know, I made a bet with Mark last year that Watson would, would average over sort of 75 um, I, thought, I think we ended up having a bet aligned at 50 bucks at sort of 70, wasn't it? Yep. So I think I pretty much had to pay you after the first three rounds because his first, his first three rounds at fullback were horrendous. Just He wasn't doing hit-ups, which I thought he would. He was always there in support play, but they just couldn't offload. They just didn't get the ball to him at all. So before Origin at fullback, he was averaging sort of 25 he then went to sort of five eight, which is where where we don't want him. The whole reason I was sort of gambling on him, sort of scoring, is because he was getting away from that six and going to um, either hooker or sort of fullback. But I was more excited about fullback. So when he went to six, he he, um, he averaged forty four four games, which was kind of expected. He then went to the bench where nobody wants him at all, and he averaged fifty two off the bench in those two games. But that's going to happen, Mister Barnes, from round eleven. <laughs> From around 11 to 25 last year, he averaged 66 off 68 minutes. So he wasn't even playing the 80 minutes. He was on track for that 70. But he did play Mr. Fixit. So he played fullback there, he played hooker there, and he played off the bench. All of those were running positions, like where we actually want him. So as long as you're not playing at 5'8 or, um, or on the bench, mate, I'm going to grab him this year. Um, even off the bench, he's still going to go pretty well. But I, although I love him, I still want a, a nice little sort of warm blanket now, and he's actually going to get on the field before the 80, before the 70th minute, you know. So last year, he had six games at hooker. He averaged 74. So mate, I would be extremely happy with him at lock, even just for 65 minutes like Murray. Um, but I think he's going to come down to a serious um, trial watch, mate. I haven't seen him in any teams um, I know a lot of people are still sort of laughing at me a little bit from last year, but you can't deny those facts, mate. Yes, he did shit, shit the bed the first three games. He did nothing at fullback early, but as soon as, as soon as he got away from that number six jersey, mate, the last two thirds of the season, you can't deny that 66 average of 68 minutes, mate. He was, he was, he was there. Yeah, look, the problem for him is that even getting up to the 55 average, a lot of that came from when he was a starting nine. When he started in a nine jumper, which was, was seven games, um, he, he went extraordinary. And that actually got his average up to a respectable 55. It would be a lot lower if he didn't start at nine any games. I would love him if he was the starting nine, but they brought in um, Braley from the Sharks, who's now going to be the starting nine. So he's not going to be. If he would have just accepted being a starting nine, I think he would have been a really good one, but apparently he's never really wanted to be one. I think he's going to end up on the bench. I saw Jamie Sauer do a predicted team and say he was going to be 13. I would be extremely surprised if Connor Watson was a, a 13. Um, I would be oh, was that, really surprised. I, I didn't realise that was a Jamie Sauer prediction. So 
Um, look, I think this is even Price and his current average. I'd be, I'd still be tempted because I think there's upside there. Um, worst case scenario, you're going to get what you pay for. But like, like we've been banging on about for the last two hours, mate, it's all about sort of getting more than what you pay for. So, could you? You're not going to start him if he's off the bench. No, 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 not not at all. Um, I, he has to start for me in, in any position except half. It has to be a running position, a forward hooker, just any foot back and fullback. I don't care anywhere, as long as it's a running running position and it's uh, not in the halves or on on, on centre wing, which it won't be. But I just can't see it happening, mate. Yeah, his his only potential positions at the moment are going to be nine, thirteen, or bench, and I think that they would be mad to go with an experiment of him at 13. I think Braley's come across to start at nine, so the bench is really all that's left, but it's going to get tricky because he plays well off the bench, but he's a guy that's on over 500k a year, left the Roosters to not be a bench utility. So I'm not sure how long that's going to last, but they just don't seem to have any room for him. Um, and buying Braley probably is a nail in the coffin for him, for Supercoach as well. He's probably going to be off the bench, Billy. Um, now, he is your love child, so we got to finish off him. I just wish for once I can get one one year where I can get blokes like Rhys Martin, Watson, and Tan Milne all on one team. <laughs> well, I just I just hope that I'm not going to get through the that I am going to get through the first month without copying five or six injuries. But you know, it's probably going to happen. And on that note, Billy, that's the podcast. Thanks for jumping on again. I'm sure it will be entertaining as always, and um, we'll have you back soon in the next couple. Thanks, mate. Good to chat with you again. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, so we'll be up on SoundCloud to stream and download as well as iTunes where you can also subscribe. Best way to do it because you'll get the up-to-date episodes as they come out automatically. Uh, other than that, do list, uh, follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Along with that, guys, we'll be back next week with a uh, pre-season podcast number four uh, and that'll have three brand new teams for us to go through. Aside from that, thanks for listening and we'll chat to you again soon.